Welcome to the Hand Down Man Down Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Hand Down Man Down Podcast. This is your boy Danny, and we got Kirsten here. What's going on, cuz? What's good? Ain't much, ain't much. How was how was the weekend going on, especially after the the way basketball's been going down this past couple of weeks? Man, it was lovely to watch. You know, definitely got to say that I love the banter on social media when it comes to, you know, the Villanova. Are they a Bluebird team versus the Michigan fans? You know, it's good to be back in the in the playoff and the uh, championship picture. Um, the women, the women, of course, I think, you know, everybody can say they definitely had the better of the two, uh, the two finals, uh, whether it be just the final four or the, even the championship game. Oh yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I do say hand down, man down. Cause right now we are a man down. Shout out to, shout out to big Tim. He's been, he's running a little late being a little busy right now, but it's all good. We're going to keep it going, you know, just to hold it down till he, till he catches up. But in the meantime, between time, you're right. The NCAA tournament this past weekend just came to an end with Villanova winning the men's tournament, and of course Notre Dame, Mamba mentality coming down with the with the women's championship game. Uh, and I gotta say, I was paying more attention to the women's championship game than the men's game. I mean, I'm almost positive everybody was because you said Mamba mentality. I don't think the guys had uh, had Kobe sitting there shouting out their best player. Look, the chick, know, look, look, uh, the player we're, we're talking about is, of course, Notre Dame's Enrique Ogunbowale. You know, she had a big time weekend after hitting one game winner against UConn and then coming back hitting another game winner against Mississippi State to come down and hold down that title for the University of Notre Dame this weekend. But overall, just the the play in the tournament, men and women, the play was was really, really good, especially coming down to some of the top storylines that happened during those tournaments with, you know, Arike Ogunwale hitting her two game winning shots, the run that was made by the by Buffalo and uh, Oregon State on the women's side, of course, Loyola Chicago's run to the Final Four, UMBC upsetting Virginia. Man, this, the tournament this year had some very, very good action on both sides. But so I got to, I got to tell you, even though the women's game was definitely way more exciting because it was more drama involved, the men's side of the tournament wasn't lacking any, wasn't lacking any sort of excitement either. There was some good play on the men's side too. Oh, it definitely was. You know, I say Miles Bridges came up big, and you know, once again, they had a player off the bench for Villanova that showed out and showed up. For them in the championship game. Well, yeah, I mean Dante DiVincenzo came off the bench. What he have thirty one? You know he. Had uh, a, I want to say it's thirty five, if I'm not mistaken. It, either way, he scored thirty coming off the bench. My man was my man was hooping. He you was know. cooking. They said it's the second coming of the Red Mamba. Huh? No kid. Well, he might be a little bit better than the Red Mamba, but. Hey. <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. Shout out Brian Scalabrini. You know he great showing his thing in the Big Three tournament. We'll get into that in the in a future <laughs> show. They're supposed to be coming down with their draft. Their drafts coming down sooner or later. And they still got players getting added on to the draft pool. But if you get back to the tournament, I mean, what what do you think was the biggest take from this year's NCAA tournament? Um, I think the biggest take was 
uh, we talking on the court that you know every possession matters. You know, and you never you never wanted to be that things come down to the last shot or, you know, that final turnover or whatnot because again, you play a game for forty minutes. So, you know, definitely having a having a short memory helps a lot of these teams make certain runs. You know, whether it be I think with Nevada against Cincinnati or, you know, Loyola, Chicago coming back and, you know, in a lot of their games or even just playing with reckless abandon the way that, you know, they did or UMBC, you know, certain teams that, you know, a lot of people were counting out. So, you know, definitely playing every possession like it, like it is the last was a good look for a lot of these teams. Well, I definitely agree with that situation because, again, like you said, a lot of these teams, they didn't – some teams didn't play a full 40 minutes of basketball. And you have an absolutely right. I mean, perfect example, Loyola Chicago won a lot of their games off you know, last second shots after, you know, some some sort of mishap or misstep made by the opposition. Like for like the game against Miami, you know, Miami Ooh. just now don't get me wrong, Miami did a good job. They were allowed, they said, all right, we'll let you get that three. But at the same time, they put no type of pressure on him when he came down and shot that three. He just shot it with right. no sort of contest in his face. So he was like, all right. Y'all gonna give me this? I'll take it and I'll let it go. Sure enough, and, you know. Like speaking of Miami, like that's crazy because I watched a lot of their games because one of their uh, point guards ended up being uh, their sort of starting point guard for a lot of the second half of the season. Uh, Chris Likes, shout out WCAC Gonzaga grad. But you know, it was kind of weird because watching it, watching them defensively, they took out Chris because you know he's about five seven you know, being yeah. generous, but he's a dog on the, on the ball, you know, so it doesn't matter if they're, you know, the other opposing guard was like six feet, six one, you know, six two, whatever the case is, it's like, you could keep him there and he's quick and everything too, but a lot down the stretch, they took him out the game. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he was in the game at the end of that, in the end of that uh, Loyola game. No, so, I think, I think you know, took him out towards the end of the game. Cause I guess they wanted to get more size in there to, I guess, match right. up with like, the Chicago size. And in the and end, so with that, man, yeah, it did. And, you know, that's that's cool and everything, but it says a lot, you know, and of course they're moving pieces. Uh Bruce Brown, uh, he was um he was hurt, you know, for a lot of the second half of the season. Um and speaking to that, they have a lot of players that are declaring for the draft this year. Bruce Brown, you know, whether that they they yeah, exactly. So they have a couple players that are declaring without agents so they're able to come back. You know, that's something else that we got to discuss because I'm not quite sure what that process is if it's just like they, in terms of what the mindset of the players are, because you're able to get your, you know, NBA vetting, you know, information without actually having to declare and everything as as far as I understand. So that's always a very interesting um interesting process there with those players. But yeah, I mean, do we, you know, want to get back to the women's? I mean, you know, that's another thing too. You have a UConn player, you know, Azura Stevens from like I said, UConn, she's graduating early as a junior and declaring for the for the WNBA draft. But that's the thing. She was she was talented enough where she could come out as early as she's coming out right now because that's the thing. A lot of these, a lot of these girls who are coming out now, they were, 
you know, a lot of these girls, especially especially Azrae Stevens, to go along with, you know, Asia Wilson, uh, Gabby Gabby Williams, Kelsey Mitchell. A lot of these girls are coming out, but she was one of the she's one of the few who's actually coming out a little bit early because, like you said, she's graduating early, so she's coming out to the WNBA draft, and just with her coming in alone, it shaped it shifted the whole balance of who the top who the top people are because at first. You know, we were they were sitting there talking about Gabby Williams was going to be that fifth pick between the top five. And then once as Azura right. Stevens came out, she piloted and leaped over everybody else. She's now the she's now projected number two pick behind Asia Wilson, who's supposed to go to Las Vegas. You know, with them get especially with the Las Vegas getting a new team, getting coached by Bill Lambeer this year. She jumped up all the way to second to Indiana, who has two picks this year and it looks like both of those picks could be indian could be players from uconn this year from what it looks like on yes, some yes. of the draft boards so she and she i mean you know we talk about gabby this. williams gabby williams will be staying local according to you know draft projections going to the washington mystics doesn't surprise me there at all she had the talent. she has the talent to come out well she's already seen so she's graduating this year but she definitely has the talent that's going to give the mystics a definitely good jump you know, once she gets drafted, you know, coming up, coming out of draft and everything. But if you look ahead to, you know, I mean, yeah, we got a lot of players coming out and we're sitting and talking about them coming out, getting to the draft. We got a big college event coming up soon with the um, with the Wooden Awards getting awarded tonight. And some of the finalists tonight include Gabby Williams, Asia Wilson. Uh, Jordan Jordan Canada from UCLA, Kia, uh, Lexi Brown from Duke, Victoria Vivians from Mississippi State. That's just on the women's side, and then on the men's side, between you know DeAndre Ayton, DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley III, Jalen Brunson, who already won AP's Player of the Year this year. A lot of these names right. who we're talking about, they this is gonna be a real, real tough competition to see who gets player of the year. There's no real outlier favorite on the men's side. I mean, on the women's side, everybody's already um projecting that Asia Wilson will <laughs> get it. Cause she was I mean, she was far and beyond the best player come in, in this college season for the women's side, but on the men's side, there's too much to pick from. Cause if you ask me, even though Jalen Brunson, um won the AP player of the year, I kind of think they're going to give Wooden Award to DeAndre Ayton. He was an absolute stud for Arizona this year. I mean, he averaged, exactly. 20, he averaged 20 points, 12 rebounds, and something different between him and Marvin Bagley. Ayton can step out and shoot the three a little bit and dominate inside with his with his size and presence in the paint. So he's You know, Bagley at, did shoot the three a little bit, but you're right, he definitely loved to live in that paint. Yeah, and, Bagley, you know, yeah. Aiden, Aiden definitely should win. I mean, you know, 100 G's is, is, is real cheap for, for the work that he put in. It, yeah, no. All right, here you go again with the, <laughs> with the accusations and whatnot. You would jump in with that. Hey, 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 you know, man down, man down. You know, closed mouths don't get fed, and clearly somebody put a, put a price out there and got it. <laughs> oh, stop. Let that man, let that man be, yo. But... <laughs> Hey, I'm, I mean, letting, I'm letting him let it be great. <laughs> it's, it's all good. It's all good. But that's just how deep the talent pool is this past college season. I mean, we're sitting here talking about the women. We already know who's projected to win the Wooden Award on their side. We still don't know who could win it on the men's side, even with Jalen Brunson winning AP player of the year. 
So I mean, you know, because so many awards got got uh got split up. You know, whether it be who the coaches think, whether it be the conferences, why, and then two, when the votes got sent in, because with a lot of these awards, the voting doesn't necessarily stop at the regular season or even at the end of the conference. Um, you know, championships. You know, some of these go into March, which means they they go into the uh, into the NCAA tournament. So, you know, that definitely has that says a lot. You know, so hopefully, oh, you know, shout out to Coach Bennett over at uh, Virginia. He won Coach of the Year. He yes, definitely he deserved it. You know, uh, one game does not define a season, and everybody forgets the fact that. You know, UMBC had to win 24 other games, including a buzzer beater against Vermont in their own conference tournament to even be in a position to beat Virginia. So he definitely deserves it, just like, you know, they definitely deserve that win that they had against them. Well, let's not forget, man, Virginia came into the season, they were unranked. They were projected to finish sixth in the ACC this year. Next thing you know, they were the number one overall seed in the tournament. Tony Bennett did a very, very good job this year coaching that team up. And if you ask me, I think they were were more offensively gifted than his past teams. Now, granted, they still lived off their staple of playing defense. That's not going to change. This year, though, they did a hell of a lot more scoring. I mean, even though in the past you had guys like Justin Anderson, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, even Mike Scott in the early, you know, those early days with Virginia, Tony Bennett, when Tony Bennett was there, they still had some guys who could score offensively, but this team this year was much more balanced on the offensive line, offensive end. Also to go along with what he was coaching on defense with that pack line defensive scheme that he has. So I definitely agree with coach uh, Tony Bennett getting coach of the year this year, but there were so many different guys who could have got it this year. It was just the fact that Tony Bennett with what he had, what was set for them to have this season, he outshined and outperformed all the expectations that people had on that team this year. So it's not a surprise that he got the Coach of the Year award then, and definitely big, big congratulations to him this year. Um, what do you look? Well, with all that being said, with everything that's happening now along the landscape of college basketball, you know, the FBI investigation, the the taking away of Louisville's championship banners the stories of the NCAA tournament on both sides, men and women. There was still a story that you pointed out to us a couple, maybe two days ago, that's happening down in North Carolina, North Carolina Central with players who were rescinded their scholarships by the coach getting funded now to finish up their education by North Carolina Central University. Yes. So with that story, um, biggest thing is that a lot of people don't understand that when these student athletes, you know, their junior senior years go ahead and commit to these schools, it's funny that in 90% of the, you know, 90% of the speeches or the announcements, the commitments, the student athlete is always says, you know, I'm ready to commit to XYZ school for the next four years. Four years. Now, mind you, this is in almost every sport across the board you know, how, how they how they present that opportunity. Most people don't realize that athletic scholarships, because they call them student athletes because they're academic scholarships and they're athletic scholarships. And a lot of times the school tries to exhaust the academic aspect of it before they offer the full 
um, athletic uh, support. In addition to merit-based, which means, you know, grades, community service, in addition to need-based, which is, you know, fast for how much your parents and family can contribute to your education. There's so many levels to it. So each year, as you know, your athletic scholarship can either be renewed or rescinded. You know, yeah. and that's something that people outside looking in don't realize. It's a lease. You know, yeah. and it's one that the school can break, and not even the school, the coach, the athletic department can break at any point in time for whatever reason. Because a lot of it sometimes oh, no. is based on athletic ability, it's based on time, it's based on a whim, coaching change, or, you know, morality for whatever, you know, purpose, however they want to suit that. But there are different ways that they don't have to renew that contract. And a lot of times the coach, uses that as leverage to get you to do more or, you know, say less. You know, they hold it over your head a lot. And, you know, student athletes in general, you know, we we like to put them all in a bucket, but it's still very sexist in how it's done. Because, you know, we discussed the fact that, like, you know, you have basketball, for instance, you know, which this was, guys can go, you know, to pro their freshman year, whereas most cases, 95% of cases, women are expected to either wait the four years or until they graduate for one reason or another. And so with this at North Carolina Central, the coach, uh, Trisha, uh, Trisha Odom, she um, rescinded the the scholarships for Technically, it's 10 members it's about seven, of the team. Well, technically, it was 10, but three of the players were players that are graduating early anyway. Right. So they're juniors that are graduating early. So technically, she still rescinded the, the scholarships of 10 of the players. Three that she recruited herself. But I'm reading so that what you're saying th- is... Yeah. Yeah, what you're saying is that you recruited three of these players, went to their houses told their parents you're going to take care of them for the next four years, and less than a year later, you're telling them they have, they have to fend for themselves? Come on now. That's something, you're putting that's the onus on the child bad. instead of you as a, you as a, as a, as a, as a recruiter. So doesn't that say a lot about you? Like, so if you're, going to, if you're going to rescind their scholarships, shouldn't you basically be, be, be resigning yourself? Yes, uh, I wish that were the case, but a lot of coaches, it don't work that way. I mean, perfect example, unless they wind up getting fired, which some of the things that I'm hearing some of the players are saying about her were definitely fireable offenses. Like, I mean, well, first of all, shout out to Jerry, Jerry Bembry of the Undefeated for posting this article and getting the story out there. Uh, it's weird to hear some of the things players were saying. You know, like one player named Deja McCain, you know, she left – her ID card and they was about to go on a road trip uh, and before long she had to go back to go get it and it came back the bus was gone all of her stuff her keys and stuff was on the was on the bus and luckily enough she had somebody who was there to take it to the airport that way she was there to make the road trip it was wild that you know this you know Trisha Odom she just it sounded like she was just dogging her players I mean it's it's almost on the lines of the coach from Rutgers who 
who me and you I both know. I was just thinking that too. I'm almost you know, positive his name was Mike Rice, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Mike Rice, who was coaching the Robert Morris when we was when we were in college, who went on to coach Rutgers and the way he was shooting some of his players up there. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, and it, and it's and it's good on North Carolina Central to still fund seven of the players so they can finish up their education. It's and just you know, crazy I, I find that, that crazy. I, I think they got ahead of the PR storm because it being the HBCU, being a small school, but they've done enough on a national level to you know warrant any attention, whether it be positive or negative. And this would not have been a good look to say that what seventy percent of your squad was, you know, unfunded. For the next year for the education, come on now. You gotta remember North Carolina Central. You know they were a big time Division two school for so long, and then when yeah. they made that jump up to Division one, they haven't seen that success. So yeah, they're flying under the radar with this type of story. It's just crazy that no one has even mentioned to report about the story except for the undefeated, who does a very good job in covering some of these stories like that. And this is one of the stories they did a good job covering. I mean, we'll get into another article about the undefeated a little bit later on. It's just wild that this type of story, especially when it comes to 10 players, luckily three of them are graduating, had their scholarships rescinded by the coach for some weird and odd reason. You right, know, after the abuse just, mentally and physically that they've had to endure, you know, not to mention all the time and effort, energy, everything that they've already expended you know, to the team, for the team, for right. that coach. Because when you go to a school, you don't go to the school for the school, a lot of a lot of cases. Like, the school may be nice and everything, too. That's a bonus. But you go because you know that this, this person has promised to take care of you like, like you're one of their own. You know, that's, that is that's definitely a portrayal on a whole lot of levels. But like you said, luckily the school did the right thing. And, you know, they're they're funding they're funding the rest of their education because no they want to be on the right side of this. Oh yeah, no question about it. You know, and it's, and it's good that we were to talk about this because the fact that we can you know this can get out there and now hear this the ugly side of what college athletes can really go through. You know, a lot of people don't really understand it, especially on the side of college basketball. Like you said, our scholarship is they can take that scholarship away from us at any point in time and. You know, this story proves it with that. And, you know, but that's just one of the the main storylines that was going on in college basketball this year, men and women, yeah. especially with the NCAA tournament going around, you know, the way that play was going on and the FBI investigation. College basketball this season was just Man. up and down all Come the way now. around. You got, you mean, got Sister Jean getting paid for her likeness, but yet the players actually making the money playing the game, the product. The product can't get paid. Man, like everybody we, else can get paid. Man, that's a whole other conversation a, in its own right. It is, but it's connected because when players have to go through stuff like this where their scholarship can get revoked at any point in time, shouldn't they then be able to take their services to other schools if they want to without any type of compete clause? They're not they employees, sh- they say. They should be, they yet, should be able to. Man, but the problem right, is with but the, thing is, man, the transfer rules. And guess what? If they if they were getting paid, then guess what? They probably wouldn't care sometimes, depending on who the player was, because if they're getting a fair market value, yes, say a scholarship is worth thirty to forty grand. If you got you know said company that'll pay you thirty to forty grand a game, 
then do you care when your coach decides that they're going to try to be petty or malicious and take away your scholarship? No, because you can pay for your education at any other institution out of pocket. Like, you know, it kind of comes back full circle on the thing where certain things would not happen in the game. People would treat other people correctly in the game. If the players are getting paid, all the cards were on the table, and you know transfer rules weren't weren't what they you know they are now. Apparently, they're looking to change them, you know, within the next year or two, and it's actually getting some momentum. Yeah. And people like Sister Jean, God bless her heart, can stop getting the bobblehead off the backs of these you know players that are you know essentially institutional slaves. But like I said, it's it's wild, and a lot of people don't understand what a college athlete, particularly a college basketball player, goes through on a daily on a daily basis. It's some days, and I remember being in college. There were some days if it wasn't for um, the rule that states that even though you're on full scholarship, the athletic department has to provide you three meals a day while you're on scholarship. The fact of the matter is this: our our grind, our daily schedule was hectic. And there would be some days where if we needed some money, you know, we'd have to call home. And some of us, some of us didn't have the luxury of being like, hey, mom and dad, uh, I I need some some money in my pocket so I can, you know, get some food for, for my dorm room or I need some money so I can get gas in my car or blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, some of the times that, that little payment can help out a college athlete this year. So we'll... But we'll definitely get into that type of conversation a little later on because I want to have a whole, whole spanning topic on, whole conversation on that topic alone, because there's some other news going on, especially in the in the NBA right now, where I know you read the story. You know, Kyrie Irving, he's done for the rest of the season, including the playoffs. You know, they have to go yeah. in, they have to go in and take out those two screws that held together that patella tendon that injury he had in the 2015 Finals. So would so with that being said, that's gonna be a huge impact on the Celtics and playoff chances this year, especially making the finals this year. And if right. I'm not mistaken, yo, Tim, where you been? <laughs> my fault, my fault, guys. My fault. <laughs> it's all good. We know we know you're out here chasing down the lead for another story for us. Yeah, man, I'm trying. You know, I'm doing something, man. I'm always under the cut, trying to find something to talk about. How y'all been, though, man? What's the scoop? Well, the scoop is this, man. Kyrie Irving done for the season. Kyrie and me. (laughs) Hey, man. That's music to my ears, being a Wizards fan. So, you know, I'm loving that. I was just about to say. Y'all and yeah, y'all know, Wizards know. fandom. Y'all cut but that. I'm not a, I'm, no, 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 no. I'm not a Wizards fan. I'm not a Wizards fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real, but yeah. I'm not, though. I, I don't really have a team. I like players. But I'm with Tim on this. I've been reading a lot about the Wizards tanking, even though last night does not count because LeBron just went off on y'all. But tanking trying to get the that. subjects as a matchup. Yeah, I thought the same thing until I thought that I thought that first half until uh maybe about the till we started to turn it up a little bit and then like towards halftime I think we were down five. That's when I kinda thought that they wanted to win the game. And then when we went up, I kinda thought that yeah, they wanted to win it, but yeah, LeBron took over. But 
But see, here's but see, here's the thing that I just realized, and if it wasn't for again, remember I told you about that other article on the undefeated I told you about Kirsten. This is what I was talking about. Mark Spears wrote something on on the undefeated, you know, saying Kyrie's injury has a bigger impact on the Sixers. So yes, you can have your trust of process rants all you want. They're talking about this might be an easier path for the Sixers to get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. But you know what's funny though? Fact that Kyrie went down. I can see, I can see the Sixers regardless of what it is making it to the finals now. Like I knew that they were going to do well this year anyway. I knew that they were going to be solidly into the um, the playoffs this year. But, you know, mind you, they've only, you know, I think they're 2-1 or they're 1-2 against the Celtics this year. But it's yeah. not even a um, – it wasn't like the games weren't close. And, I mean, mm-hmm. close as in, you know, 11 points or less. And there were still, you know, situations in those, too, I believe, with injuries and whatnot. So, you know, they haven't had a game this year that both teams were fully healthy. And so, also, too. Right. And then, mind you, is Joel and B back? Because, remember, no, he, has, he, has his, uh, he's, he has his orbital But he's supposed to come back for the start of playoffs. But he's supposed to come back for the start of the playoffs. He's though. at least supposed to. He's supposed to. Not to wish anything yeah, on them, but yeah, we've heard it all yeah, year for these players. We won't know. Yeah, we won't even know until we, yeah, until we suited up. I mean, everybody posted. Yeah. The ball was supposed to come back weeks before. Because, look, Kyrie was supposed to, but that didn't happen. Isaiah was supposed to, and funniest thing that people pointed out, they said, you know, Isaiah nor Kyrie is on the, on the, on the Cavs right now. Who was the real winner? LeBron. LeBron got a brand-new team based on all those trades. And he seems pretty happy right now. Yeah, he might seem pretty happy right now, but we'll see what goes on in the playoffs. As I'm telling you, even though in my mindset, I think he's not leaving Cleveland this year. I don't think he would want to do that again. I think he wants to stay and keep trying to bring championships back to Cleveland. It's just it's going to be hard this season because of the fact, like you said, brand new team. They all a lot of those players don't have that championship uh, degree to go along with the fact that how much playoff experience do they have to go along with that? Because a lot of those guys, like you said, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nash Jr., a lot of those guys don't have the playoff experience to go along to help bring a title back to Cleveland. It's just wild because of the fact that, you know, they might have an easier path now because Kyrie's gone for the Celtics. They are pretty much Toronto's big brother in this situation because they keep punking him every time they play him. I don't know what happens when Toronto plays Cleveland, but it completely shuts down the team from from DeRozan and Lowry all the way down to the last man who's playing in the game. Like I, mean, I don't understand. They're playing their pets. I mean, clearly that's what it's, that's what it seems like. The Raptors are pets, according to Jordan Clarkson. He has every right to say it. That's what it seems like. It's like they're the oh, only number one seed I've known in like the last couple of years that still gets no respect. Like just regardless. Like and that's just from that's just from that's just kinda of like for me too. Like I I have to see it to believe it with Toronto. Like it's just 
it's just like they the regular season. That's cool. I mean, they coach to the regular season all the time. I mean, for the last couple of years, it's like playoffs. The records change. Like the seeding, yeah, it's there, but it doesn't really matter in the playoffs. So, but you know who this? You know who this reminds me of? Remember when Atlanta was sixty and twenty-two? And now we were all exactly. saying right. Cleveland is still going to go to the finals and it wound up happening like that anyway. That's all this is to me. Because remember, we we gave no respect to Atlanta getting out of the Eastern Conference. We're doing that now, the same thing with Toronto. And Toronto has better offensive weapons on that team than Atlanta did. Because remember, in Atlanta that year, all they had was Jeff Teague and Al Horford. You know, so that doesn't surprise me none at all. Yeah, you had Damari Carroll, who was a defensive stopper, but he couldn't he couldn't really score on a consistent basis like that. At least with Bates Toronto, Bates might have career that year though too. Also, he definitely before Kim got there or that yeah that year I think that was his rookie year, right? Yeah, that was his rookie year. Yeah, rookie year, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so it all it, it all makes sense now that you sit back and think about it. But even then, I mean, with the season's about to come to an end. You know, we're sitting here having so many conversations about who's going to be MVP, even though we all know it's going to be James Harden. It's pretty much his award to lose. We're sitting here talking about, you know, who's coming out. There should be two different awards. There should be the best player and the person having the best season. What if that's the case? Best player. What if that's the case? Best player is always going to go to LeBron. Yeah, right, right. But but to not but to keep it away from that. The MVP, it should be who is most valuable to that team, not necessarily exactly. who is the most valuable to that league. Because if you take take LeBron away last night, we're running away with that game by 30-plus, maybe, maybe 30. Yeah. Like that, with LeBron out there, LeBron out there uh, not on the team. So just like with Lillard, you take him away, maybe they're still above float, maybe they're not. But they're not in the third. They're not in the third seed without Lillard. And, like, that's just – and without Harden – I mean, who knows? Chris Paul and Capella, I, I believe they could have held float. Not saying that they wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been probably number one seed, maybe. But well, I look. think without Harden, they'd be there. Yeah, they'd still be. Well, they would. They would have still. They just still the been needs to be changed for the MVP. It just needs to be changed for the MVP. Well, you know that's yeah, never gonna, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen because if you ask me, in my opinion. Yeah, we were talking about LeBron last night. If LeBron's not on Cleveland last night, we know Washington runs away with that game. But the same thing always comes to mind is who I thought was going to be MVP. This is going to be Dame Lillard and Anthony Davis. If Damian Lillard wasn't, like you said, if he was on, if he was not on the Blazers this season, the Blazers would not be where they are now. Yeah, they got right. CJ McCollum, but we know Dame Lillard is the guy for that team. The same right. thing with the Pelicans. Oh, definitely. The no, same thing with because if Anthony Davis was not on that Pelican squad, I mean, where would they be? They would be dormant in the standings in the Western Conference. They would be way at the bottom. Yeah. And here we was are Boogie talking still, about was Boogie still was Boogie still there or Boogie being hurt? Boogie still hurt. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, you, you, I'm saying, you're saying, you're saying that with Boogie being hurt, or oh, yeah, or with him being around without AD. Being even there. even with Boogie being there. But then again, I also I always think it'd have been the same way if Boogie was there and Anthony Davis wasn't playing. So I think it could have went either way. So my thing is that you're right. The thought of MVP should change, but the whole the whole thing behind MVP in the NBA it's not about who's valuable; it's who's having the best season. That's how they always look at the MVP award. Because if that's the case, 
Michael Jordan would have how many MVPs right now? Kareem would have yeah, yeah, exactly. right now. But then it's going but then it's gonna take you to another argument because it's gonna be okay, so when you go down the stat line, what if you have a player that like a Harden and like a like a LeBron and all their stats are identical? Or at least maybe maybe a point off or assist off or a rebound off. Then what you gonna go to? You gonna go to what forty point games? How many fifty point games? Like it's gonna be too many. Go by record. Just to get this. Well, that, if that's the case, they would, they would go by record. Because that's how yeah, it was. Uh, that's how it was back cool. in the nineties. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But it's just. And yeah, then the like, thing is, if you can't go by record by team overall record, then you go with their you go with their you know uh, wins against replacement type situation. Okay, you know, you go with okay, the analytics. Cool. I hate analytics. Yeah, hey, look, 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 but it makes but it makes a difference though. It does make a difference. Yeah, You're right. Analytics are taking over, man. I know <laughs> analytics. Have, I know <laughs> analytics have taken over. It's just you know how I am. I, I, yeah, I hate oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying all the way through because you know people say you know you can't numbers don't lie. Yes, they do. Numbers do whatever it is you tell them to do. <laughs> Well, yeah, because yeah. numbers tell numbers give you a better side of the story. So you're right. Yes, we have to use analytics. And in this case, if it came down to it, if they were, if their stats were identical, and their records were the same, or maybe a win, a win or a loss off, you're right. They would have to go to analytics to find out who is the real MVP. So it would, it would all, it would all vary. Now, even though we know James Harden's gonna be MVP this year, my whole jump is who's gonna be rookie of the year. Because as that much as I'm saying, because as much as I'm thinking Ben Simmons could get it, the way Donovan Mitchell and Kyle oh, Kuzma yeah. are playing for their teams this year, so... I don't think Ben Simmons is going to run away with it. Okay, so this is this is the mm. question I got. So far, far as the so the MVP, the criteria for the MVP, far as the records and uh, other things you guys are saying. So would you take that same consideration for rookie of the year, right? looking at the record and stuff like that if you got to a point where you couldn't pick who if it got to that point yeah you would have to the look at is, analytics analytics and record to see how okay, they so were both, so both the time, Jazz so and the Sixers are in fourth place though exactly but see, that's, right but see, that's, yeah. but see that's the thing with rookie that's why rookie I think in my in my eye I think the 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 way we look at rookie of the year and the way we look at MVP is different only because with rookie of the year it's literally it's literally who's having the best year as a rookie right okay it's not, yeah, it's right. not based off of yeah the value of that player so I would take something because as a rookie you're a first year player and it's a different it's a different system it's a different environment you know a lot of times you're thrown into the fire who adjusts the best in their first year. And that's pretty much what that is because you don't you don't really expect a rookie to come in um, and do certain things. You know, all right, if your rookie is giving you four or five points a game or, you know, they're filling up the water bottles real well, cool. But mm-hmm. if a player is coming and giving you 20 points a game, you know, five and five, then it's like, oh, what? How is this working? And so then you got to look across the board at the same draft class and say, well, this player didn't do that. This player didn't do that. This player didn't do that. Well, this player is obviously the best player. You have about three or four players that are all on that first tier, and then you have like the Malik Monks and you know the DeAndre Foxes that have come along through the year, throughout the year, and are getting those six, seven, ten points, you know, in certain games that you know they're filling out. Like they they've definitely taken that next step. 
but they didn't have that step all year long, like a Kuzma or a Simmons or a, a Donovan Mitchell. So, you know, it's clear cut who is going to be up there, but because even Dennis Smith, I had Dennis Smith up there as one of those players early in the year. He fell off a little bit, but then again, too, Mark Cuban was tanking. So, you know, it was kind of a weird scenario for him, which is another thing that kind of sucks for some of these teams or some of these players is because they're not able to fully flourish because some of the organizations have ulterior motives. Oh, yeah, no question. But to me, I think Ben Ben shouldn't be considered a rookie of rookie the year. But if that, even though he didn't get the play, okay, that's 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 cool. But like you just said, as far as flourishing and also seeing the game, he was around all of that. He was working then, out. If then again, if that's the players, case, he was with all these players. If that's the case, Blake Griffin shouldn't have his rookie of the year. And I, was, and I was against, and I was against that also, because that's the like, okay, technically rookie where, is your first year though. But where would he? But okay, so but you you're still around the game. You're still traveling with these teams. You're still seeing NBA games being played. You're still seeing the system that you're going to be in. You still but, see all these things that that a Dennis Smith won't see. When ben but Simmons see, here's the, the thing. Philly, but see, these kids, but see, these, these guys are still in college. But here, see, here's the thing with that though, and we can take it back to the college because every conference has a freshman a year. They always do it. But see, here's the thing That's about it too. Good. In that freshman of the year category, they also count redshirt freshmen. So either way, you have to play some minutes that that will relinquish you to being still considered a rookie. Now, yes, Ben Simmons is not technically a rookie anymore. This is technically his second year in the league. But because he did not play his first year because of injury, he is considered a rookie still this year. Yes, I know it yeah, doesn't that's, make sense, that's but that's how yeah, it works. Understandable, but it's just yeah. But it's like to me, that's why. That's why to me, I never like. I never even really cared after they did that with Blake. I never even cared about Ricky Lee because it's like it's just a disadvantage to me because I've been around. You've been around the game for depending on how many games you've been to or whatever the case may be. You've been to every game you wanted to go to or the game that you were able to go to. So. And during that time, you're seeing a lot of basketball being played. You're seeing the offense there running, what position you're going to play, how you're going to fit in, what your game needs to be. And then you're working out with these players. You're not working out. You're not working out with people from LSU. You're not working out with trainers from LSU. You're getting NBA training. You're getting NBA conditioning. You're getting NBA reps. You're getting NBA all that. The only thing you're not getting is game. When he was able to start running the hole, he was working out with them. He just wasn't game ready. And then towards the, first, towards the first year, towards the first year, Towards the back end, he was getting healthy. It was just the fact that, okay, it's no point in rushing you back. We're not, we're not doing nothing this year. Okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? Trust the process. Sit around. You'll be all right. Once we get all the pieces together, then everybody will see. But to me, I never was a that's, fan of that because it's like if you, it's, if you're, that's if weird you, though. That's crazy. That's just always been crazy. Because the thing is, that's like saying a pro, a college program like a Duke or North Carolina or a Kentucky. Everybody always calls them factories, especially Kentucky nowadays, because Calipari, because he knows that most of them are one and done, are getting them, are putting them in the NBA environment. So that's like yeah. saying that if Malik Monk or one of them had went off this year, like he's not allowed to be, you know, rookie of the year because he was already in that environment. Well, like that's pretty true. much the same premise because all you all you doing is slapping, you know, college on it versus, you know, the fact that it is technically NBA. 
So I mean, it's like to say to say that somebody's already been in there. That's like saying that you know, once LeBron's son gets the league, he's not allowed to you know be up for any awards because he was already around the game his whole life. Now that's a little like, different. That's because, okay, the same thing. Yeah, he, but that's no, no, no. That's that's uncontrollable for LeBron's son. He's LeBron's son. He he can't control that. Like Ben Ben's situation, he set out he set out a whole season. So when you come back. The R shouldn't have, because if he was, yes or no, if he was injured, I and mean, if he was healthy, he would have played. He oh, yeah, no question. Not the injury. You can't say basically right, no, because he was injured that he's not allowed to get to get certain, like, certain awards or whatever. All right, so why, so why not just hold the che- so why not just hold your checks and you get paid when you're able to play? You're getting game checks for not being on the court, correct? Well, yeah, that's because but the so NBA's contracts players. are guaranteed. Yeah, so the thirteen player on the bench, he still gets a ring when when uh when the when the Warriors win the championship, but because he didn't play a minute, he doesn't deserve that ring. He's still able to play. They got into the bench. Not saying the guys on the bench don't deserve a ring, but it's just the fact that I feel like if to me I feel like if you if you're a rookie if you're a rookie and you're hurt, you cannot be considered for the rookie of the year. The next year, like you're not a rookie no more. That's how, the, that's how the NBA <laughs> operates like now. Just, like that's just that's just wild. Yeah. That's just wild. Like because what? Okay, so and then like for the people like like a Dennis Smith or like a like a Dennis Smith, like a Donovan Mitchell, like a Malik Monk, or like any other rookies, it's like they shouldn't feel no type of way. Even for the people that lost it against Blake, they should. Yeah, because I, mean, I was going to say that too, year, that year, John Wall that. came out. John Wall should have got rookie of the year, but that, but like I said, because of Blake, um, missing his first year, he was considered a rookie his second year round. So I get it. I get where you're and coming from. Way, and just the way John plays, I know that still. I know that still gets to him. Like even though he probably won plenty of awards, like who don't want to ball out and get that rookie of the year? And then knowing you lost it to somebody that never even sweated a minute on a, that year, like come on, that's crazy. If any rule could get, if any rule needs to be changed, that one. I, I'm, I'm for anything else in the NBA. Everything else is cool to me. That's just, it's just mind-boggling to me. Well, unfortunately for you, they are not gonna change that rule no time soon. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why when it comes to rookie, I just, I just hope to see good rookies, like maybe just good big men, good guards, maybe a shooter here and there. But other than that, I just really don't care for that that accolade itself because it's, it's not following true. like it's not following it's not following what it's representing. A rookie is a one-year player. The first year, your first year coming in, fresh out of the draft. Like he was two years already into. That was the second year into the league. I mean, I understand. so all right. So if you think if Blake when they got it, you think they would have gave it to him? Like if they didn't give it to Blake? Yeah, John would have got it that year. Saying, you would think they give it to him, still give it to him, or still even consider him for it? That I don't know because that was because he oh, right because it never happened before that. Right, because it's never. Yeah. You're right. It's never happened before that until now. Right. So who knows? But even with all that, if we take away, you know, our thought process with this, who do you think will get rookie of the year this year? Because if you ask me, I mean, I had Kyle Kuzma winning it, but right now I would have to say Ben Simmons probably got rookie. Yeah, I think Ben. I got Ben. Yeah. It's going to be just because across the board, like he's probably almost averaging probably close to a total level. Well, they, 
he's averaging, what was he averaging when I saw this morning? He was averaging 15 points, about eight rebounds, and eight assists a game. That's close enough. All right. Oh, you look at everybody, you look at everybody else. I mean, most of it, I know Donovan Mitchell, he didn't start the season starting. I know he probably is now. But I know he didn't start the season starting, so and then I know No, nah, I think was, he was like one of the few he was like one of the first dudes off the bench when he when Okay, right. Right, okay. And then Kuzma, I know he's Kuzma having a good year, but it's like when you compare it to Ben, it's not scoring it's not, probably yeah, Kuzma, maybe, Kuzma maybe fell off pretty much. Yeah, I was about to say he had a couple of nice. Like basically, all of, all of the rookies have like even those top ones went through stretches where it was like they were mm-hmm. on fire for like let's say a stretch of twenty games or whatever, and everybody had their stretch. So Kuzma's averaging what sixteen six and two, uh, pretty much right now. Donovan yeah. Mitchell is at twenty uh, three and a half and three and a half, but you know he went through those stretches where he had you know let's say, 40 points in about five, six games. And those other games, he was still averaging about 20 points a game. But then he also went the whole five points here or seven points there. So it all evened out on that one. So they're all pretty close as it is right now. So it's going to be the record. But then again, like I said, it goes back to the record. And then we also think about this. Ben is averaging 15 points a game without a consistent jump shot and not a good percentage of the free throw line. Can you imagine what he would be like if he had a jump shot? Exactly. So it's 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 going to be crazy to see who gets rookie of the year, you know. But even with all that, you know, as we as we bring this 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 edition to a close, also what happened in the past couple of weeks is the fact that the Hall of Fame class was announced. And if I'm looking at it correctly, you had Ray Allen Mo Cheeks, Lefty Giselle, the legendary coach from the University of Maryland, Grant Hill, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Tina Thompson, first player to get drafted in the WNBA back in 97, Dino Raja, an international player, Charlie Scott, who's the first African-American scholarship athlete at the University of North Carolina, Oren May Washington, who played on 11 straight now, see, here's the thing. This I didn't know this existed at all. She played on 11 straight women's colored basketball championship teams. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was credited as the yeah. greatest. She's credited as the greatest female athlete of her time. And then, of course, that little stat I mentioned earlier. Um, along with that, you had Rod Thorne, Rick Welts, and Katie Smith. So this year's class is pretty, pretty deep. Um, what do you think about this year's Hall of Fame class? Oh, I got you. The Women's Colored Basketball World Championship teams. Got you, yeah. got you, got you. I'm fine. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good class. Yeah, most of the players. I mean, Rihanna, of course, is worthy. Grant Hill, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Mo Cheeks, that's that's good. That's big school. Well, I mean, I, I'm telling y'all, I was watching something earlier. What was it, a couple of days ago? You know, Gilbert Arenas didn't think Grant Hill should have been a Hall of Famer or Ray Allen. Mm, Ray Allen at one point was the leading uh, three point shooter in, in the NBA. So I'm not sure if that, that is he a still legit, is. Um, grievance. I think Gary Gil sometimes also pokes that uh, pokes that bad bear sometimes. So man, I don't, 
I, I got to see what Angle maybe what Angle or, or type of tone deal when he said that. But to say Grand Hill, I don't know. Grand Hill, during the injuries, I mean, I, 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 he was pretty solid to me. Every time I pretty much remember Fawz, like hearing his name or just not really seeing him play all the time, I probably, probably most of his years probably way before I was born, but he always been relevant. I always heard his name. And he, for the most part, always had good numbers, solid numbers. I had to look over them, but yeah, word of yeah, from the word of yeah. Always, mm, yeah. I think I think that the fact that Grant Hill uh, was injured for a lot of his career, and I mean even still, you know, certain 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 years, we know that you know he was, but he still averaged twenty points. I think the the disappointment of his potential is pretty much what what. Some people had a drawback about, you know, like so. I mean, I don't have a problem with him being being in the in the in the in the Hall of Fame, you know, because he did have a great you know career, Duke and everything too. But um, I think that's that's probably people's biggest grievance is his health. I mean, even, you know? I mean, I mean, with all that, I mean, yeah, Grant Hill had his problems, but I'm with y'all. I still think he was a Hall of Famer. I mean, we're talking a seven-time All-Star. You know, he was in the. I mean, like I said, he's been in the year. He's been he was an NBA vet for 19 years. You know, he had his good years. He was definitely All NBA for those beginning years before his injury happened. So I'm not surprised that he made the Hall of Fame this year. Who I'm surprised didn't make the Hall of Fame this year. And Tim, you'll 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 look at me differently and say, yeah, he should have got in. And Kirsten, there's another name who I thought should have gotten the Hall of Fame. We've been preaching this for years. Oh, for, man. For, for oh, Tim. A bow tie. For, well, well, yeah, you know the other one, Kirsten. But for Tim, Chris Webber's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Something ain't right here. I'm done. You know what it is? Because that boy keeps taking time out he don't have. <laughs> you wow. Leave that man alone. Look, come out. Come out. Come out. I know you saw that tweet I sent y'all in the, in the group chat. I was like, are they going to let him, uh, are they gonna let him you, call that Michigan? That Michigan yeah, what you want to know what's, what's so crazy about that whole thing? Like, um, before yesterday, I think yesterday, I went on ESPN.com, and I think Jalen might have been talking about it on one of, like, one of his shows or somebody's show. But before that day, I've never seen none of them talk about it again after that thirty for thirty. Well, so that's because like, no one wants to talk about it. It's a it's no, a black yeah. on his career. I, I, yeah, I understand. Right, I understand that. But it's like what like now Jalen speaks out about it. I didn't never. I didn't click it to watch it to actually see what he was talking about. But honestly, like if that's if that's what's keeping him out of the Hall of Fame, that's pretty. That's that's pretty crazy. That's man. that's not but, the only thing that's keeping him that out. Was, but that was. But I mean, but to me, that's, if, part, that's part of it. That's definitely Hill, part of it. But that's not the only thing. If Grant Hill is in, come on, Chris Webber can't be in. But see, that's you know what? Grant Hill has never had had never had any type of controversy morality wise, and you realize that's one of the same things for let's say like the Heisman, the Wooden Award, and everything like that. You're not allowed to have like morality issues. And the timeout thing, like it, you know, all fun and games, cool, whatever. That's one thing. That's that's professional. That's on the court. But the the money aspect of it, that he was getting paid on the table, and then he lied about it. Like Jalen's never lied about oh, yeah. it, and that's part of the right. thing that you know a lot of people can't get past because it's like if it happened, it happened. But the fact that you tried to throw people under the bus 
and you tried to, you know, protect yourself, protect your image. You thought that you went ahead, skipped to the NBA, and that was going to be it. No. You had FBI charges filed against you, not for what you did, but because you lied about it. And that's the biggest thing that a lot of people can't really get over is the fact that, you know, he wasn't honest, he wasn't loyal. But see, and when it comes to a brotherhood, that, that aspect, yeah. But if you take away that aspect of it, if we're talking about him playing, I don't see why he shouldn't okay. be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, point blank period, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And he changed, he changed the, he helped change the culture of basketball for the day. Like he, like he, it wasn't he just Jalen and, you know, he, he, made it cool, he made it cool to be an athletic power forward. Yeah. He made it cool to be that big man who could dribble the ball, who could handle the ball, and also be physical on the block. He's the one who's, who started that trend. You know, oh, yeah. like, don't get me wrong. We had our players like Sean Kemp, you know, Dirk Nowitzki now, but, and then of course, Kevin Garnett, but Chris Webber is the originator of that. So for just, mm-hmm. if we're going strictly off of playing days, Chris Webber should be in the Hall of Fame. And then on top of yeah. that, mm-hmm. Kirsten, me and you would appreciate this from our college days. Why the hell in the bow time in the Hall of Fame? When is Jim Phelan going to get in the Hall of Fame? Look, Jim Phelan is not flashy enough. He's not arrogant enough. You know, he he doesn't pat himself on the back enough. And that's what a lot of people nowadays cannot appreciate nor respect. Because Jim Ota Phelan, Coach Coach Jim, Coach, you know, 830 wins, you know, titles, transitioning the program from Division Two, Division One, and still winning. Like, come on now, like I mean Coach Phelan is still around the program. He's still I, I, giving 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 dimes. Of course. Like, we, come on now. We saw we saw him I saw him at the homecoming game this year. I mean, you know, yes, this is this is our alumni talk coming out, but that's just that's just my that's just how we feel about it. We're talking like you said, we're talking about a guy who has eight hundred and thirty coaching wins. He's coached thirteen over thirteen hundred games. You know, he has a national title, albeit it's Division Two, but still he has a national title. I mean, he's had he's like you said, successful years, even transitioned from Division Two to Division One. Come on now, he he even has yeah. a award named after him. He should be in the Hall of Fame right now. He should be. And the thing is, his coaching tree is like that too, whether it be at the high school level or the college level. Well, so you know, I mean, yeah, look at his, his coaching tree now. I mean, you got Coach Brown, who was my head coach, Milan Brown. You got the current coach, Jamie and Christian. Uh, Chris, Mc, Chris McGuthrie, who was one of his top players in the 90s. He's coaching at Watkins Mill. Um, Cliff Warren was coaching at Jacksonville University for a couple of years. Even his one of his best, best players, Jack, Zul- Jack Sullivan, he was coaching Catholic University for so long. Um, I don't see he, he's pretty much he's pretty much started a good trend of good ball players, and there should be a reason he should be in the Hall of Fame right now. Right. Don't forget back in the day, even Morgan Wooten, who is in the Hall of Fame again, one of the best high school coaches, coaches, period. He had his basketball kept at the mount. That says a lot. Well, he's always done that because remember, um, the the five star camp the five star camp was always held at Mount St. Mary's. Right. His son now is the coach over at Bishop O'Connell, who they turn out a whole lot of, you know, products too. Right. So 
I mean, the thing is, Coach Phelan is definitely ingrained in the community. You know, giving back always, you know, bringing up, bringing up that next generation. So I would say I don't know how you can have 830 wins, do it the right way, have, you know, all Americans, all conference players, you know, no scandals for real, for real. You know, you don't you don't have all those well did he play this pay this player or, you know, cheating or this and that. No. Like the mountain is always about the integrity of doing things the right way. And Coach Phelan was definitely the poster boy for that. But that's 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 just the thing. He if you excuse me, if you ask me if Chris Weber and Jim Phelan should be in the Nathan Hall of Fame right now. I mean, granted, they're both. I mean, Jim Phelan's in the Collegiate Hall of Fame, which is which is good. That's how it's supposed to be. He should also be in the Basketball Hall of Fame as well. What year did um What year did um did Chris Webber become eligible to get into the to get into the? He's been eligible for the past six years. For six, okay. I'm just, I was just wondering. Okay. Yeah, he's been eligible for the past six years. I honestly feel that once Chris Webber goes back to Michigan and he starts to mend those fences because part of this is a popularity contest. Part of this is, you know, campaigning, you know, upon yourself, getting other people to campaign for you, you know, because it, it is going to be what it is. So talent alone for something like this is not going to do it. Politics is going to say a lot. And his first thing is going to be him showing some contrition for the past and what he's done. Until then, he can tell whoever that he doesn't care. It's just, you know, it will be an honor, but, you know, it's not going to define him. Yeah, it is defining you. Sadly, so, but, but sure. Right. It's going to have to, it's going to have to start with him going back to Michigan. It's going to have to start. And until that happens, yeah. he won't really be in the hall of fame. But I think he, I think he's pretty much, to me, I think he's pretty much just living with it right now because I think if he wanted to, he would have been better. So, I think he's probably just he's probably just happy with not being in it, I guess, because he had already made amends to try to figure out why he's not in it. I mean, he's been eligible for six years, and you see the people. Yeah, he's been eligible for the past six years, so yeah. he should definitely be in the Hall of Fame by now. Yeah, but yeah. And, uh, looking at everything I just seen, rookie of the year, five-time NBA All-Star, All NBA first team in two thousand one, rebound leader in ninety nine. Right, yeah. There's nothing showing me you shouldn't be over 17,000 points. That's why, that's why I said it. But we got to bring this one to a close, uh, fellas. So I got a shout out when y'all, when y'all ready. Go ahead. Send your shout out out. Look, all I know is, and this goes back to paying the athletes, you know, in a way, but also looking to the future, that three for three, uh, three for three contest that, Doseki sponsored over the yeah. over uh over the weekend. That's right. Great, know, great, great I know, basketball. I know, like, I know where you're going. And you know that that I don't know because that was awesome. I want to shout out to the NEC uh junior Chris Joel. I would say all of, um Jose, all them guys, you know JoJo. So you know for doing their thing, they lost that first that first game against the SEC, but yo. Moten was a beast. I don't know what was what that man was on. He was on some DeAndre Ayton type junk going on. 
But uh, other than that, they went 2-1-1 in the contest. Shout out to the Big Ten for winning the whole thing. But for real, for real, my man Junior Robinson, one of the shortest dudes in NCAA basketball, uh, number eight leading scorer in Mount history, you know, all of 5-5, five, five, but, you know, with the heart of heart of a 7-5 dude. And, you know, whether or not he makes it to the NBA, he's definitely going pro. My man is one of, one of the best shows on the planet. So I want to shout out to the little brother. Good luck this year and everything. Got graduation in a few weeks, so definitely got it going on. All right. That's a good look. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap up another edition of the Hand Down, Man Down podcast. I don't know about y'all, but I'm about to enjoy my weekend. I know y'all about to do the same, so I'll holler at y'all later. Good luck.